Race Corp. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twenty wigger and slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Ray, and with me is my desk mate, Jacob. How's it going, everybody? Uh, we are members of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network. Uh, visit brokenjars.xyz for all of our other shows. Yep, How yep. you doing, dude? Uh, you know, just a, another Sunday night in Western PA. Uh you getting that Pokemon Go action and going? No. <laughs> it's not my jam. That's my wife right. loves it, but that's not really my my style. I was uh I was at do you know where Nobles is in no. Pennsylvania? Uh-huh. I mean Pennsylvania is this huge. So it's like a this weird little amusement park I went to yesterday. Um you like it's free to go in, free to park, but you go in and um it kinda operates like a state fair where you pay per ride. Okay. Um, but they have some type of weird, cheesy, like, Disney dollar type thing. Um, and each ride's like three bucks, so you give them three dollars worth of these Disney dollars, but Nobles tickets. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, aside from it being, like, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, it was pretty pretty good time. Yeah, I don't know jack about the eastern side of the state. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> I've been over in that southern state, like, one since I moved here. And that was for work, so I really didn't have much time to explore. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, life's good. Uh, ready to get started talking about the office and all the other cool shit that's just going on with the uh, with the podcasts and stuff. So, we have a sponsor of sorts now. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the game publisher Tiny Build. Yeah, did they make that game? Uh, not enough time or too much. Yeah, too, uh, not enough time to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make a, that. Bunch, they yeah. uh, they produce Punch Club and Speedrunners and a bunch of other different ones. Party Hard. Speedrunners, I love Speedrunners. Yeah, so they're um, every week they're going to be giving us codes to give away. So for all the listeners out there, if you also like video games, the just be listening to our podcast and you'll be getting free video games in the future. So that's cool. Win-win. You get a free game and you get to listen to one of the most amazing podcasts about The Office ever. Ever, right. And and for the listeners who want to be involved with the show a bit more, everyone hears the opening, sort of that uh, super cut of, you know, Office quotes. So for the listeners out there who are feeling industrious, down the show notes and you know comments and stuff on the youtubes we will i'll be uploading a link to so you can download our background music which is a edm version of the office intro and if you want you can make your own supercut and we'll play it instead of what we've been using so far so if you want to get involved that way sort of be a little creative get involved with the show that's your way to do it yeah, we'll give you a quick little shout out. Mention your Twitter handle or whatever. If you got a project, you can tell us to describe in like two sent two sentences. Maybe that's it. I don't. I don't want to waste time. You guys, you love our show. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about your shit, fans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's that's the thing for the fans. If they want to get involved that way, uh, we'll also be putting up the schedule for the podcast, which episodes we'll be doing which week. 
So if you want to make a specific podcast episode specific intro, that would be amazing. And you'll definitely go to the front of the line if you actually make one that's like for the episodes we're doing. Because that'd be cool. Yeah. And, uh, and it'd be a good opportunity because we, at the end of the, this episode, we'll be uh, reading some listener mail. Uh, so if you guys have comments or whatever about episodes upcoming that you think are interesting for us to bring up at the time, uh, send them our way at brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Yep, yep. So we were getting into season two, which is widely considered the best office season ever. Uh, and we'll start off with the first episode of the season, the Dundies. The Dundies are like a really iconic thing for the office right because mm-hmm. um you know the show obviously has like a lot of things that are like really special to it but like the dundies is the thing that the office does you know other real world places have employees of the month and little awards of recognition but this is like their own version of like the grammys or the oscars or whatever mm-hmm. um and we talk about it a little bit in season one and through all the intros we see michael play with a little statue that's actually a dundee um so it's it they they present it to us in full force in all of its glory, um, and it's pretty great. Yeah, this episode was written by Mindy Kaling, who is Kelly Kapoor. Um, she writes a lot of episodes. She writes at least one episode a season for the entire run of the show. And it's uh, directed by Greg Daniels, who also does The Client and Valentine's Day. He does the basketball episode. Yeah, he does a lot of uh, office directing and writing, which is kind of funny because this one takes place at a Chili's, and his next episode he directs, The Client, also takes place at Chili's. Yeah, and uh, what do you call it? It's nice. Um, this is where they start to like take some of the storylines outside of the office space. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we're talking about four episodes today and the Dundies and uh, Office Olympics both take place outside of the office, like at least half of them do. Right. Um, Which kind of makes, it changes it up a little bit because then you have to see the characters interact with people who aren't just familiar with them, you know? So then like you can see how weird Michael is compared to like the rest of the actual world that they live in, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like a nice little reality check that just because everybody in the office is used to Michael doesn't mean that... Everybody else outside is. Right, right. Uh, yeah, this is a great episode. Very iconic. Um, you know, you can tell they got a lot more money coming into the second season than from the first season because yeah. I don't know if uh, Steve Carell got like plugs or what, but he's got a full head of hair now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if that was they cut his hair to make it look all thin and stuff and they let him kind of grow it out. Uh, but. That's always weirded me out because he yeah. looks so different from season one going into season two. Yeah, because he also stops like slicking it back. Part of me wondered like if he was trying to do like this like greasy thing in the first season. But you're right, the the volume of hair is different, so something mm-hmm. must have been done either or. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what's your favorite award in the Dundies? Um. <laughs> uh, well, the best one, the best one, the best acceptance speech, I think, is Pam. Yeah. But the the don't go in there after <laughs> award is funny because if you look at Kevin's Dundee, he's a, it's actually squatting. Right, 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 yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, wow, he just really went for that one. I like, um, 
Oh my god. Um, I like Angela's the the tight ass award. Like everyone's favorite stickler, and she's got a great caboose. <laughs> um, that is an instance where I think Michael would at the very least get written up for, if not fired. That's yeah, that's a, that's hard to say because I was thinking about it because I I wasn't sure, but since it's not at the office and it's technically not a work event since that's true. the work isn't paying, paying for, for it. it. Um, yeah, maybe not. And this is also where you kind of start to see the uh, Michael's love of parties. He talks about the 0505 party, the tsunami fundraiser, not yeah. fundraiser, fundraiser. Yeah. Um, and then also, it's probably Michael at his one of his earliest ability uh, times, rather, to shine with his actual like performances. You know, because like he like he does little jokes around the office or whatever, and he likes to treat his meeting space as like a bit of a show. Right. Uh, but here, like he does like the full nine. He's got costume changes. He's got a DJ. He um, has cue cards. Um, you know, it, it kind of dives into uh, Michael's kind of crazy perception of himself yeah, and his this role. This is where you start office. to see yeah. the uh, like all the impressions and get you get to meet Ping and oh yeah, you know you start to understand that like Michael doesn't do anything original. He steals everything. Yeah. Um, like even stuff like right right at the top, he starts singing that song. Um, Op is it? No, what the heck is it? I forget what the hell the song is now. Anyways, but he doesn't have a version of it without the original lyrics. Right. So he's trying to sing his own. And like the whole thing is just like a mess, but he doesn't know because he kind of like sees everything through like rose colored glasses. Yeah. Then you have his uh, his tiny dancer rip yeah. off. It, of all the the ones he rips off, you know, the probably the best one for the entire show, like the entire run of The Office, was um, during Good, Goodbye Toby. Oh yeah, and I think it was a Genesis song or something he ripped off. And, yeah, uh, yeah, they sing that Goodbye Stranger song. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, Paul Liberstein does like a great job, especially by that point with like those Toby faces. Yeah, like everybody gets away, they get to look at the camera, and Toby's is always like this, like sad puppy face. Um, and that song is full of those instances where Toby just looks miserable. Yeah, one thing I, I did really like about this, you start to see it. It's more of a, a nod to to Jenna Fisher than everything else, but like so much of Pam's expression is like right here, like it's all in her eyes. I don't, mm. like she just. You you can just tell exactly what's going on in her head just like by the way her eyes look, and I think it I think it's a really a nod to Jenna Fisher about just how good of an actress she is, at least for this role. Yeah, I mean, even in uh, the fire, which we'll cover, um, and then you know, I mean, it happens a bunch, but the the fire comes to mind, and then even the end of season three, like oh, you yeah. know that scene. But yeah, you're right; it's all her eyes. You know, she just has a way of like portraying like that like overly giddiness or like sadness or the drunkenness or whatever it is uh yeah she does a good job there. all of the above for pan yeah <laughs> um so yeah so have you how familiar are you with the scranton area specifically uh not very not very because it's more east coasterly yeah yeah, I uh, yeah, because I'm wondering too, like how essential the Chili's is to uh, to the folks at Scranton. Like, is that their only chain restaurant that in that way? You know, because uh, it's a funny bit. 
to like always go to Chili's. Like Chili's is like the fancy place. Right, but he mentions Chili's in the first season. Mm. And so my question is, I almost I can almost guarantee you some kind of sponsorship going on. That's why they oh, sure, have sure. all the stuff at Chili's. Um but because he mentions Chili's um he when he fires the guy in the Halloween episode which is come which is coming up mm. uh yeah it's it'll be the first episode next time uh you know he gives him chilies oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coupons and you know and the client he talks about how like you know well, he Chili's sings the baby back ribs song, right? You're right. Well, yeah. Chili's is the new golf course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a fun fact here about Chili's is that originally in the script, Pam was supposed to be overserved alcohol, but obviously Chili's doesn't want to like be portrayed right. as a company that does that, so they had to fix it so that she's stealing drinks off of people's tables. Uh, but that allows her a fun little opportunity to like get reactions from people, like uh, Stanley's wife, who like never says anything. Right. Yeah. Oh, so that reminds me. Like, so we see we meet Stanley's wife for the first time, right? Yeah. And by the end of this the show, he's got like two other, if not more, you know, girlfriends plus yeah. his wife, who he's still married to. So I'm like, so is, has he already started cheating on her, or is this just something that's? <laughs> that's a good point. Like, is it like his thing? I wonder if he's got a type too, because like aside from. Like, he didn't hit on Amy Adams and Hot Girl, for example. Right. Um, and, of course, you know, we always talk about retcons on the show. Uh, so is that, like, maybe they didn't know that he was going to be a Right, because he kind of changes because you never really hear about his... Because his daughter shows up... Um, uh, bring Your Daughter to Work Day. Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. I don't remember which... It's this... Uh, uh, it's, it's episode 18 this mm. season. And after that, you just never hear from them again. Right. It's like those people you never, ever hear about ever again. You're just like Meredith's second child. You hear about it, never see him or her. I think I swear that she comes back again. Or is that the same episode where Ryan like wins her something at like the arcade? I forget. They go to a bar or something where there's an arcade and she's there or she follows him there. Maybe it's the same episode. Maybe I'm talking out of my butt. I forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't re- I cannot remember her in any other episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll see. It'll, it'll come up. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is they also retcon who Devin is. So mm. the Because De- they, t- they, they mentioned Devin in the Dundies. But the person who plays him in how the Halloween episode, different person, <laughs> completely sure. different person. Is it? I'm pretty sure they did not look like anyone I'd ever seen. Let's see. I mean, because also too, he had that costume on though. That's true. Maybe it was just the costume throwing yeah. me off. Because also the actor in this episode is his name is Devin Abner, and they have that kind of uh, history of actually making the characters named after the actors who portray them. It says here... No, that doesn't help at all. But, yeah, oh, here we go. Devin Abner plays Devin in the office. That's all it says. Oh, wow. that's, that, that's, a list of, that's a list of accolades for sure. 
It's more than we got. That's true. See, like, I think yeah. What's nice about this episode is you really start seeing people, like them growing as individuals. I think part of that's because they're away from the office, so you get to see them a little bit. But like, you know, Dwight is ultra protective of Michael, and you know, because somebody wrote something on the girl's mm-hmm. bathroom. Uh, you know, it ends up being Pam. We never find out what it is. It's sort of uh, one of their long, like traditions of telling you something happened, but never ever showing it to you. Like the carpet. Like the carpet or um, the teapot letter that yeah. Jim gives to, or eventually gives to Pam. But you never know what's in it. Uh, so it's just sort of like the anti-Chekhov's gun. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh it has like this. So this episode ends with like a nice little Jim and Pam moment, mm-hmm. where so throughout the episode, Pam's kind of all over Jim in a way that uh, she wouldn't be if she were sober. Right. And then, if I recall, yeah. So Roy splits in the middle too. Roy well, and her, actually right at the beginning of the Dundies, he's gone. Right at the beginning, yeah. Uh, and uh, Daryl, they both leave. Mm-hmm. So side fact, I remember from the director's commentary on that episode was that that all that argument was um, like ad-libbed because they weren't going to use the audio from it. Um, oh, really? And then they kept it in because I guess uh, Jenna Fisher was so compelling yelling at him. She's like, <laughs> well, if you had asked, then you would have known, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Well, it, it did feel very real. Like that interchange, yeah. like, I, like I've had that exchange before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then so there's this moment where they're in the parking lot and Jim like knows and he's kind of been taking care of Pam at this point. And... Uh, yeah, like, there's a lot of those instances, especially in this season, where, like, there's there's moments where, like, you feel like one of them would say something, you know? Uh, right. Obviously, leading up to Casino Night, where Jim finally does say something. But, um, and then, of course, Angela has to ruin it by honking her stupid car horn, depriving right. the people of what we want, you know? <laughs> and you know, this is the, the first Jim Pam kiss, because she mm. kisses him after she wins her Whitest Keds Award. Yeah. And her acceptance speech is great. I feel God <laughs> in this chilies tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Just a pause. Everybody's like, uh. Yeah, it's great. Because like, you can kind of tell, especially, I don't know. You've been to Chili's, right? Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you drank much of Chili's? Probably, no, prob- probably not, no. Oh, man. like, Because you can see she had two of the big like margaritas right she's still half or three quarters of stanley uh stanley's wife's margarita then had like at least one of jim's beers like that's a lot of booze yeah no it is and she's a tiny lady <laughs> so she uh so she she played that she played the drunk pretty well and you can tell Jim is just loving it. He's loving the entire time. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, that bit where she like has her dundee and she goes right up to the camera and she goes, Wow and she falls back. Yeah, it's so good. Um Yeah, I believe I forget where I read this, but I also believe this wasn't supposed to be the first episode of the season. Yeah, production code 2003 um yep. but it's but it's a good it's a good comeback from that season from season one you I know agree. Mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah because it introduces new elements that you know and it changes things up 
it it's pretty it's a pretty high energy episode too um and it's not really a split episode like next episode you have not next episode but uh the fire you have mike michael and dwight doing their own thing and you know it's sort of going back and forth where this one is pretty much i mean they're at the chilies for two-thirds of the episode pretty right. much yeah know, so there's, there's no like b storyline here right it's, like it's all chill. yeah it's like the dundies mm-hmm. yeah the only like real b storyline was him not having the like jan saying no we're not paying for this yeah yeah and the bathroom thing i guess too right um, and and even here too so it's like speaking about some of these other characters kelly is still not quite Kelly Kapoor yet. Right. She's still dressed in more traditional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she got that sweet award, spicy curry. <laughs> She's like, what's this for? Like, just take it. Yeah, just just sit down. Yeah, because at that point, Michael's had had some rough a rough evening. Yeah, one thing I was like, how terrible would this be if you're at the Chili's and having to listen to this stuff. <laughs> well, then they have that funny zoom in uh, when he's doing ping, and then there's that Asian family <laughs> behind him. Uh, so so bad uh, you can tell like this is also brings up michael's just tone deafness like he doesn't care no he's gonna do it no matter what like because he, he just thinks like it's comedy like everybody gets right. it. it's just funny, yeah, yeah, it's, but just it's, funny. It's, it's not uh, like, like my my no for ping it just says ping with a sad smiley face <laughs> so, that's all i could put on there i'm like oh yeah ping's an asshole this this might be the first episode, sorry, uh, that Michael also expresses his, like, weird man crush on Ryan. Because uh, I don't recall it specifically in season one. Right, but, yeah, they really yeah. They really cranked that up to 11 in this season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because there's a bunch of times where Ryan and Michael are, like, kind of forced in close proximity. And Ryan being a temp, like, what's he supposed to do? So, right. Yeah, so he kind of, like, takes it mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my, my wife was saying that she, she really likes the episode, but it's hard because it's just, Michael is so offensive and it's so in your face. Right. I think now, like we've, you know, we've, we've been through the show a few times, so we're kind of used to it, but like, if you were to like watch that one fresh, Mm. that's pretty cringeworthy. And that was like, the office really brought in sort of like cringe, cringe humor. Like awkward yeah. humor, you know, back in the, you know, 2003, 2004, whenever, uh, let's see, when was this? This aired, uh, 2005, September yeah. 20th, 2005. So, you know, cause I, I think I had said in the first episode we did that, um, you know, a lot of the first season is so reminiscent of the UK office. And then at some point it kind of branches off and does a little bit more American style humor, but that like awkwardness that you're talking about, like they really did a good job maintaining it. Because, yeah. like, off the top of my head, and again, speaking to, like, Michael not being a great guy, date Mike, date it comes Mike. to mind. Yeah. And it's just, like, that whole, like, bit. Because that lady's so nice. And Jim and Pam are having a good time. And then Michael just, like, for no reason, except for he's an idiot, like, turns. And it, it's so hard to watch. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There, there are certain episodes that are just very hard to watch. Like, um, Dinner Party, that comes to mind. Yeah. That, that's a hard, hard one to watch. Scott's Tots is tough for me. Oh, yeah, I, I, I've definitely <laughs> skipped it sometimes. Yeah, that one's a rough one. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and this is also like, 
you also see Michael's ability to spin his own form of reality. It was obviously it was obvious that the Dundies were terrible. Right. But he's like, man, I did a good job. I killed almost, you know, because Pam, know, you know, know. <laughs> and you could just tell he's just like, and you see this again in um, the speech mm. episode where he like, where he leaves Dwight's thing, then goes and gets his scotch and he's like, a thousand guys. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll talk about it more when we get there too. But uh, yeah, for me, that's a real low point for Michael. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Dwight really needed Michael's support there. And the way, like, Michael's able to warp reality at the end of that episode and twist it into, like, yeah, I am pretty good. Even though, like, mm-hmm. Dwight did this accomplishment. I'm like, Michael, you weenie. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. a couple There's a couple spots in this um, season, especially where I think by the end of it, Dwight kind of sees through Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Because we have, because you obviously have um, the injury, which is another Michael just being an asshole, Dwight. Um, Dwight's speech and then drug testing, I think it was like the low, low point for Michael. It's, oh, sure. So and that's, that's when you start to like change how you view different people too, I think. Like, yeah, for sure. But right now you're just like, wow, Michael's an ass. Like... <laughs> It's something you forget, especially when you haven't come back through the early stuff. It's like, wow, we love Michael now, but he's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a terrible person. Just like who he, he is. Michael's birthday. That's a real rough one. Oh. Because I mean, Kevin thinks he might have skin cancer. Right. But it's his birthday, Michael. Yeah. And that, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is just setting up the sort of who Michael is going to be for this season. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got any got anything else for this episode, or you wanna? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a review. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say it's a. Well, uh, this this is a number ratio. I'm gonna be saying a lot this evening. We had some good episodes, but it's gonna be a four out of five bushy beavers. <laughs> you stole my tagline. Did I? Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, this to me is one of the better. I mean, this is a top ten episode for me. Mm. Uh, so this is going to be um, five out of five uh, second drinks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the great Pam quotes of all time. It's like, no, the ice melts. And it's like second drink. <laughs> yeah, and of course Jim not being drunk, he's like, <laughs> like he can see right through that shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, next we have sexual harassment. Um, so, again, quick overview. Uh, the episode uh, starts with Michael kind of uh, bragging about his email forwarding abilities and how he's got some hilarious content. Right. Almost like he created it all, right? Um, and then a, uh, he finds out from corporate that a lawyer is coming down. Well, not specific. Yeah, I think he knows it's a lawyer who's coming down. Um, with Jan to talk about some recent things that had happened in the company because we find out that another higher up got fired or sued because of sexual harassment problems. Uh, Michael goes on the defensive because he thinks he's going to get in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, And of course, as always with these episodes, hilarity ensues. Uh, This is the first episode we meet physically Todd Packer. 
Right. This is yeah. the first episode we meet Todd Packer, who might be the worst character of the entire show. I hate him. Yeah, I, this episode. Because I, I, I always think about it, and there are times where I feel bad for him, especially like later during like the Florida season. Um, yeah, but he is such a tool. He's just a whole bag of wieners. <laughs> so it's like it, it's an interesting thing because you're like, why does Michael like him so much? It's part, you know, one of the questions. Um, if Michael just thinks he's hilarious and he's like the guy, right? Because if you remember back to basketball, he was like, I, you know, I. I vouch for you in front of Todd Packer, Dwight. You know, he's talking about taking him to his pickup game. Uh, this rep is... Yeah, sorry. I cannot talk. This uh, episode is written by BJ Novak, which is Ryan. Um, in, uh, directed by King Quapis. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's going to listen to the show sometime and like, email us like, you sons of bitches, you can't pronounce my name correctly. <laughs> but he... Uh, him and Greg Daniels... Uh, actually, him, Greg Daniels, and Paul Feig direct ev- the first ten episode, nine episodes of this season. Mm. So I mean, he directed the first two episodes. He directed, uh, directed pilot in Diversity Day. Uh, so he uh, he does a lot uh, throughout the entire season. Uh, and one reason we do bring this up is a lot of people don't realize uh, one how integral all these people are to mm. writing and directing. And two, that there's some really interesting um, guest directors that will show up you know, in later seasons. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I know a lot of people probably don't know that Joss Whedon directed an episode uh, in season three. So that's really cool. And then also, too, as we read these out moving forward, we'll also see when the actors start directing episodes mm-hmm. uh, because – of various reasons, you know, it's kind of it's a pretty typical path for an actor to take is to start directing, like especially on a show that they're on. Um, but it probably shows like their competence of the content that they're part of, you know, like by season three, four, moving forward after that, like the office is the office and they get it. So they get to put their fun little spin on it or whatever when they're directing. It. And I think it's kind of interesting to see them take part mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. So King Quapis, uh, he. At the end of this, we'll have to like rank the directors and which episodes they did. Yeah, because he he did this one. He does the fire. He does booze cruise, uh, casino night. I mean, he's got some of the heavy hitters in season two. Yeah, um, yeah, and then he goes away for a while, but he comes back for the lecture circuits episodes. Right, uh, and you never know; they might be working on other shows. Right, or he might be involved in like an executive producer type capacity, mm-hmm. which is not something we wrote up. Yeah, right. So, uh, sexual harassment—it um, is cringy because of Todd. Um, I just like I don't I don't get Todd Packer. Uh, oh, and I think is oh is this the first? Cold open? I think it might be. Is this the one? Is me? No, no, no. Sorry, that's next episode. Sorry, I'm getting my episodes confused. <laughs> next episode is the very first cold open. Right. In, in uh, the history. Um, yeah, any... Uh, so, yeah, Todd Packer, the worst person ever. I mean, a great character. Very funny in the 
Office universe, but God, what a what a terrible guy! And uh, you get to kind of see like this weird relationship that him and Michael have because Michael obviously really looks up to Todd, uh, but Todd does not treat Michael with the same type of reverence. Um, and if you think about it, it's a very Todd to Michael is very Michael to Dwight. You know, that's a oh, very yeah. those those relationships are very seem very similar, uh, except well. You never see it, but you do. You do get told that they do hang out together. Like Michael and Dwight do hang out together away from the office. Yeah. At some point, Michael says something about um, wasting all that time watching ba- Battlestar Galactica or something. Yeah. And so, so you have that. Um, but one note I wrote down was just simply like, "How does Todd have a job? Like mm-hmm. that he is." Basically, every time he opens his mouth is a fireball offense. I agree. And I just like, how? How does this guy keep a job? And, you know, I know he's supposed to be a great salesman. And then the show never really shows us that either, I don't think. Right? Like, I'm trying to, when I was watching uh, Sexual Harassment, I was really, like, trying to rack my brain for a moment where Todd kind of, like, proves himself at least as an employee of the company and it never really happens like he's always around and then he's involved a lot in the florida stuff but um right well he is um the their traveling salesman right uh and you know we we see in this episode that he has issues with you know duis and sleeping around they're just being a man whore uh so funny bit about todd's license plate uh, it says, I think it's W L H U N G. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're watching the show for the first time now, you won't know who William Hung is. But William Hung was like this really terrible participant on American Idol. Is that who that was? I was yeah. thinking it was, he was terrible, but he got super popular for he being did, yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. He he sang a lot of She Bangs by Ricky Martin. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. But obviously, Todd was going for the uh, well hung joke right. about his dong um but everybody keeps asking about william hung apparently <laughs> and that and that's like a fun little thing that really sets like a time period for the show like it mm-hmm. happens a couple times later on it, the show does some stuff that i'm not a huge fan of where they like take cold opens or big important jokes from like popular youtube videos at the time which makes sense for michael's character but i wish like eh, i wish they didn't like make some of them so important um, but yeah. this William Hung bit is like a big like, hey, it's 2005. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. This this episode, we meet Pam's mom for the first time as well. And speaking of retcons, she is definitely not the same lady who Michael ends up tapping later. Uh, yes, she is much younger. They yeah. definitely age her up in season six. Was that season six or season seven when Jim and Pam get married? I'm pretty sure right. season yeah. six. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny because that's a really good, you know, because Pam is talking about how her mom's her best friend and all this stuff. Um, so we get this glimpse. And if I don't know if you've dated somebody or you are this person, you know, if you're a female where your mom's your best friend, like whatever the mom says, like they haven't you know understanding about who you are. And she's like, you know. Pam's mom waits for uh, Roy to leave, and she's like, "Okay, which one's Jim?" Right? Like she knows, she knows her daughter's in love with Jim, 
he see, you know, seems much better than Roy. Uh, you know, you know, Jim hears it and smiles. I thought it was a really good moment that they were kind of foreshadowing what was happening. But yeah, her mom is a major retcon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, she's played by three different people throughout the series. Three. Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is it because there's a voice? That's not the same actress, or do we see her three different times? We see her three different times. There, there's mm-hmm. another time where we see her mom before they settle on the woman from the blonde lady. The blonde lady. Yeah, we see her one more time, and she's yeah three different actresses play her. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, it also gives us kind of this idea of like who's aware of the Jim Pam thing aside from the audience, you know. Um, because nobody in the office really references it, right? Like not yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's just interesting to know that Pam's mom is privy to it. Right. And, uh, you'll see it more in the next episode. The people are starting to notice something between Jim and Pam. Mm. And we'll talk about that next episode, but uh, but there's three or four times this season where they definitely uh, sort of allude to the fact that pe- people are wondering if yeah. they're if they're boning, you know, in the, the warehouse. Yeah, I mean, so we we had that is instant in season one where Roy almost assaults Jim after the uh, alliance giggle that uh, Jim and Pam share. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said during um, Office Olympics and even during uh, the fire episode, there's some like obvious tension, not tension, but like, you know, open flirtation between them amongst everybody. Um, and then of course this season ends with casino night, which is like a really big forward leap in the Jim Pam storyline. So they're definitely like, that's definitely something they want to cover throughout this season. Right. It, one of the things that was also good, because, you know, Michael kind of gets in trouble, and so he has to watch the video, you know, because <laughs> they had the sexual harassment video. Right. And he's like, oh, Daryl's like, oh, yeah, I totally banged that girl. She's a whore. Da, da, yeah. da. But, like, I don't know. If you ever work at a corporate office, those videos are legit and real and that bad. Mm-hmm. They're so terrible. I think I'd read an article a couple of weeks ago saying like how those types of trainings actually end up like indirectly causing more incidents that are like, you know, that people report or whatever. Probably because of like, I call it like the red button complex where you tell someone not to do it in such a way that it's annoying. So of course the person's going to go and do it. Um, and not, not, well, I mean, it's always malicious. It's sexual harassment, right? Right. But, like, you look at it, and it's it's portrayed so shittily. Like, these two idiots come up to this lady and, like, hey, does the carpet match the drapes or whatever? Which is, like, you have to be, like, the biggest douchebag to approach someone, and, like, that's the first thing you say to them. Um, and because it's so stupid, of course, people are going to go around, like, joking about it, and that's what causes sexual harassment, <laughs> like, in that in that regard, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, this entire episode, because Michael, you know, he's... He's feeling like he's getting things taken away from him. Like he mm-hmm. can't be the person he is. It's like, oh, you know, comedy is dead. Da, 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 and he keeps making inappropriate jokes. Like, you know, j- oh, this is also the first. That's what she said. Uh, oh, like officially? Yeah. Mm. So, but, you know, Jim's like, so does that include that's what she said jokes? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he starts, he's like, 
he starts you know giving him phrases that he could say that's what she said to yeah it was funny and you see this a lot in the office during that uh, exchange packer like is he, so excited you could see yeah. in his face like he knows exactly what jim is doing and it just seems like exactly what that person would do in the real life and mm-hmm. so like, i don't know if that's like a conscious choice or just like things that they don't think are actually happening uh yeah because the crazy I, mean, I remember a way that a lot of production people were talking about the show was that they do like this single camera shoot which is more expensive generally excuse me mm-hmm. Um, because they have to shoot with one camera, they do a scene, and they have to reset the whole thing to shoot the up, like the opposing side. Right. And then the way the office portrays it is that like there's three or four cameras in the office at the same time, getting all the reactions at the same time. So like from a production s- standpoint, like I know for a fact that they're just shooting Todd Packer, and they're like, okay, now this is happening. So what would you do? And like he's just sitting there in a silent room going. You know, shaking his head all maliciously or whatever, um, but it like it plays like so well when Jim's feeding Michael all that stuff, and mm-hmm. then uh, and he blurts out, "That's what she said." Yeah. And he gets so happy about it. He's like, "Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this he, is, this entire episode would pretty much get Michael fired." Yes, like the his his emails and. Yeah, here here's a like Dwight's like, oh, here's where the monkey does the sex thing, and then yep. like Michael wants to forward it around. Like that would totally get you fired. Yeah. Done over. Um, and then of course his his uh, later on when uh, Packer's trying to tell a joke, and uh, kind of gestures toward Phyllis to say without saying a description of a character in his joke, and Kevin fills in the blank, and it's like this awkward thing where Kevin's being blamed for saying something offensive, even though Packer was doing it. Right. So to uh, make people feel better, Michael is hugging Phyllis. And he's like, you know what the only thing I'm afraid of is? It's getting a boner. And that is going to get Michael fired. Oh, absolutely. But he never does. (laughs) Never. Uh, This is also, I think, I don't remember exactly what it was, but in this episode is really the first reference to Meredith being a slut. Mm. Like, being a, like basically willing to do anything with anybody yeah yeah because again she's pretty normal in the first season right uh, the second season really like lets us kind of flesh out a lot of these background characters um yeah unfortunately not for Devin, unfortunately <laughs> not for Devin. Unfortunately. i guess it's kind of hard to remember this is only the eighth episode of this of the show yeah, like, yeah. we're only eight episodes in so there, there's still a lot of development for the Meredith and the Creeds, and because I don't even know if has Creed had a spoken line yet. Um, no, because we haven't done performance review yet, right? And I know he has a bit where he's trying to, like, explain the difference between infer and imply, and then Michael says he smells. <laughs> right. I think I think his first spoken lines are in the Halloween episode because it's up to between him and Devin, which one's going to get fired. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, like you said, top of the next uh, next podcast episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, really, all my notes were just about how terrible Packer is about this. Uh, the blow up doll that Jim is dating this is great. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, put some clothes on. Uh. <laughs> this is another like nudity <laughs> in the workplace stuff that. Mm. There's three or four times where 
someone will be like naked or something in the office. Right. Yeah, because like fun run. And then Jim's like, you know, talking head. He's like, oh, I didn't realize this was a working office. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then, then yeah, the blow up doll. Uh, <laughs> I think one of my favorite uh, Michael lines here. Well, because he does a couple. That's what she says in this episode, like you said. And um, one is where he's inviting people into that room to watch the sexual harassment video. And, like, the way people are responding, he's like, that's what she said. And then Pam goes, uh, well, my mother's coming later. And, like, he says that's what she said because, like, it's instinctual. But he realizes how, like, over the top it is. So he, like, tries to, like, cough the joke away. And I was like, oh, well, uh, no, that's cool. That's cool. Great. Yeah, Um, yeah, like, totally fails because he's already said the damn thing. Right. Yeah, so actually with the whole retconning of – Pam's mom's age it kind of makes you wonder how old Pam really is at this point because I like I thought she was like 23 24 been out of school for a little while mm. but they also kind of retcon her education too I, I like I felt like she didn't have a college degree and then later they give her one right because she said she played volleyball in college right right and that was that's a huge retcon yeah for her character because she was you know wasn't sporty at all and they they make reference to that a lot um and then she's all of a sudden she's a collegiate level volleyball player yeah which like i don't know have you ever go to like college volleyball well yeah i mean the kids that continue to play sports and college are like the kids who like are hoping to get discovered by professional institutions so right but like those those girls are crazy like yeah like insane shape like you have to be a legitimate athlete to play at the collegiate level and so it just doesn't seem like pam is that way yeah she doesn't have the drive to be that way so that sort of a weird retcon because you always see that like pam gets really excited about something and puts a lot of effort into it then just kind of lets it die right when it doesn't work out right right and so it's just kind of a weird thing um with her and we'll get to that more down the road but it's just one of those weird kind of retcons about her yeah and it's really a one-off type of thing too because it's just during the company picnic where it's like relevant right and it never comes up again never comes up again yeah um any other thoughts about it i mean it's again there's not a lot of b i mean i guess the b storyline would be pam's mom showing up but it's like it's so like small because it's really just like one or two lines off there's that bit where like roy's all dressed up right? he's got his stupid collared shirt on and sweater yeah he's like what a dork <laughs> it's also interesting time because this is oh five not everyone has cell phones yet you know mm. so or you know pan's mom just didn't have one so she she didn't know and it's like weird you know yeah another thing that's like hey this is what year it is Right. And of course, they, I mean, you know, again, in 2005, no one could have assumed that we'd all be walking around with personal assistance in our pocket that would allow us to catch the original 150 Pokemon. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but like watching back on it in retrospect, you're like, how does no one have a cell phone? I will say, though, being in Pennsylvania this weekend, I have like no service in half that state. So having a cell phone presently wouldn't even freaking matter there. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, so what what are you gonna rate? What are you gonna rate this episode? 
Well, I'm afraid to say it. I don't want to steal your thing, but I did make sure this this time around to write them all out. So I'm going to say four out of five baths with Pam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, I wasn't like a huge... Um, I don't know. This, this is a weaker episode, in my opinion. Mm. So I'm going to give it a two out of five. Wow. Uh, Todd Packers. So okay. there you go. <laughs> All right. Man, that's a big discrepancy. That's probably our biggest one so far. It is. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. All right. So our next episode we're coming into is Office Olympics, uh, is where we see Michael buying his condo, which mm-hmm. he has until he leaves the show. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, is this the only... Is dinner party the only other time we're at the condo? I feel like there's one. No, no. Uh, no Michael no. Scott Paper Company. Michael Scott Paper Company, yeah. So yeah. this becomes a secondary location, you know, that kind of plays throughout the show. And it's referenced a few times, like, about how, you know, he sells it on eBay when he's certain right. he's going to It's like, yep, sold in record time. You know what? I bet technically, too, we might see bits of it in um, Threat Level Midnight because, like, stuff that was shot like for Michael's movie, I bet some of that was in his condo, like him eating breakfast and stuff like that. Oh yeah, probably so, true. Yeah, but um, it's also the first time we meet uh, Carol Stills, right? Who uh, becomes important at least for the next season and a half or so. And Carol, the the actress who plays Carol Stills and Steve Carell are married. Yeah, so that's that's a cool little thing, you know, getting his wife involved. Um, they were both on The Daily Show together. Though I don't know if that's where they met. Uh, but they were both like special correspondents or whatever for uh, what's his face? John Stewart. I just got to say, good job, Steve Carell. Good job. Yeah, he did a great job. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, a lot of these, like, I'm, I watch 30 Rock all the time, too. Um, and a lot of times these shows will, like, make their main character, like Michael or Tina Fey or whatever, like, be these characters that have a lot of trouble, like, finding their significant others. Um, but then when you look at back at it in retrospect, like they do pretty good, you know, like they mm-hmm. have one or two people they date a season or something like that. And it's like, um, it, we, of course we sympathize with them while we're watching it. But when you look back, I mean, Tina Fey dated Matt Damon, right? Right. <laughs> um, and then Steve Carell. Yeah. Carol, Jan. Um, oh my goodness. Why did I forget that lady who he marries name? Holly. Holly. Then um, there was the, the married woman. Right. Yeah, uh, he does. He does a great job. Yeah, he does. He does an okay job. Yeah, he's, he's got to relax. <laughs> it's kind of like um, in Big Bang Theory, like mm. they they talk about these nerds who have all these terrible times, but they're always getting laid. Right. It's like, yeah. man, come on. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um. So the and the this is one of those episodes where the A and B storylines are pretty pretty wide and pretty relevant at the same time. Right. Uh, so while Michael and Dwight are out buying the condo, the office is enjoying the office Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, it starts with Jim walking around the office, kind of procrastinating. No, not even. He's talking to Oscar, and he sees Oscar's weird little scoreboard for, right. uh, for hate ball. Is that what it's called? <laughs> uh, it, it was... It's basically paper football, right? But uh, Right, but they, they call it hate ball. Like, well, why do you call it hate ball? Because of how much Angela hates it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and then we find out uh, Dunderball, uh, 
mm-hmm. which is what Toby plays, I guess, with Kelly. Right. That's not where they sit. Um, and then those are the only ones we see, but I, you know, then there's Flonkerton that shows up, but obviously they made up that name. Mm-hmm. Like, Flon- yeah, they were racing with... Um, like big bundles of papers. Mm-hmm. Like a box of paper and... Yeah. You know, racing around the office. That Florida... Uh, uh, Phyllis wins. Yep. Um, and this is when you start to see a little bit more of, like, Phyllis's personality, because, like, this Jan says something, like, uh, you know, Phyllis, you have H.O. And Phyllis is like, oh, you call me a hoe? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> and then even in the fire episode also, like, there's a weird bit where I guess music's playing in the background or something. And Phyllis is, like, dancing, like, really <laughs> interestingly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like we were saying, this is the first cold open. Mm-hmm. And it's where Michael gets Ryan to come into the office early just to bring him basically like an egg McMuffin. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, go ahead. You know, the office is yours. Run around. You know, risky business. Take your pants off. Yeah. Which, which is the first time that he's really like hit on yeah. Ryan, yeah. you know, which is weird. That, that's a, that's a like, weird co- yeah. relationship that I don't really get, I guess, because they never really explain it. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible and this is total speculation, that Michael might not realize he's just, like, kind of bisexual. And, like, so he really misses the mark with, like, that, like, bro humor where, you know, dudes are, like, you know, like, hugging each other, like, broing out. But, like, Michael takes it, like, just a step too far where it becomes a little intimate. Right. Um, And, again, he's kind of naive and he doesn't know a lot of things. I mean... Obviously, Jan is kind of a crazy lady, but he, like, cries when they talk about, like, different sex stuff that he had with Jan. Um, so, you know, I think uh, Michael might be a little repressed, so he might not fully understand his feelings at all times, you know? Right, and, you know, this kind of comes to a full head during the deposition episode mm. where they, uh, they you know, because Jan turns over his, um, his uh, diary Mm-hmm. And they're like, who's this other woman, uh, yeah. Ryan? And Toby starts laughing. So it's like, there's obviously something weird going on there. We just don't know what yet. It, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And he's like, he's just a really funny, smart looking guy or whatever he says like that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Right. Um, what is your favorite sport that takes place during the Office Olympics? Um. That's a good question. I'm trying to think of what we actually get to see because we don't get to see a lot. Yeah. I mean, one that would be interesting to watch and really hard would be the one they're doing the laps around the office oh, with, with the, the coffee. coffee cups. Yeah, when you know Michael walks in and kind of kills everything, but that would be tough. Mm-hmm. And I would love yeah. to watch my coworkers burn themselves like that. I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I would have wanted to participate in the stuffing your face with M&M contest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Kevin do that, and I was like, I wish I was there. <clears throat> See, this um, is also, from what I understand and can remember the first Beef Farm reference, and a reference to Moe's. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we see that, um, and how, it, like... They, they they talk about this, and this is um, just sort of a weird thing from where I'm from versus the Northeast, especially. You know, he's got a big farm, and it's only sixty acres. 
Right. I know for a lot of people that seems like a lot of land, but where I'm from in Oklahoma and Texas, it's not uncommon for farms to be twenty or thirty thousand acres. Right, right. So, so that's just a weird kind of thing. You got like cultural thing that you may may or may not be easy to understand for some people. And um, yeah, I mean, so and then going the other way, me primarily living in like the urban area of New Jersey. I don't know what the hell an acre is. So, <laughs> so sixty acres sounds like that's huge. I mean, I mean, it's not a small amount of land, yeah. but like just for funsies, when my parents lived in Oklahoma, they had thirty acres. Yeah, and it was dirt cheap, you know. Right. Uh, it's also funny, like Michael keeps his like uh, certificate of authenticity for his watch on his wall. Like you can yeah. see it on his wall. Yeah, yeah, because like it's the kind, I mean he's the kind of guy who buys himself a world's best boss mug, right? Right. So like any like nice looking thing he's gonna put up uh, in a document frame. Uh, we did we mentioned it a couple minutes ago, um, but one of the games that is brought up it, maliciously is called Pam Pong. Pam Pong. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Angela reveals to Pam when Pam inquires if she has any games uh, that Angela tallies the amount of times that Jim gets up from his desk to talk to her. Insinuating that you know, Angela's kind of privy to the flirtatious behavior between the two. Right. Well, she does sit right there, mm-hmm. but it actually be kind of hard. Yeah, she's facing the opposite she's way. She's facing the opposite ball. direction, but it is a small office, so she could probably just hear it when they start talking to each other. Yeah. Another thing I have written down is I think the du- the farm size gets retconned. I think it gets bigger as the show goes on. Now, it could just be that he's, you know, buying land or whatnot, but I, I think it is, ends up being a couple hundred acres by the time, like, the farm rolls around and stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, because there's, like, a lot of weird familial things that Dwight's got going on, too. Right. Like, obviously, he's got his cousin, but um, there's the uh, Shrewd Farm episode, which is, like, the kind of the pilot for the spinoff that never happened. Right. You find out he's got, like, a lot of family and friends that kind of come around. So I wonder, like, if his farm is connected to other Shrewd-like family members. And maybe, like, he, through hostile takeovers, <laughs> kind of, like, acquires that <laughs> farm, like, off-camera, you know? Uh, yeah. One of the things that I do like about this uh, episode because you start to see the some of the continuity. We talk a lot about retcons, but like Pam's candy bin mm. never leaves the desk. Right. Like that that thing is there all nine seasons. And then eventually when we have the cold open where uh, Pam buys the pencil cup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Because when uh, Jim puts all of Dwight's stuff in the vending machine. Right. That pencil cup is there for the rest of the run of the show. Right. And so yeah. th- you start to see those kind of cool continuity things. Yeah, they do retcon some stuff, but they also do keep a lot of things together. Right. And again, you just see more and more just like how much Michael kind of hates Dwight and how much Dwight, A, doesn't see it, and B, just wants to be his friend. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we, we skipped over it real quick, but this, the cold open for this episode was, um, was it the cold? I think it was the cold open. Maybe it wasn't. No, the cold open is what you said with coming in early, but there's a bit early on in the episode 
I'm terrible at speaking today, where Jim and Pam are throwing stuff into Dwight's pencil cup mm-hmm. using paper clips and all that kind of stuff. And Pam says she does that when Dwight's not there, which got me thinking because Dwight has that whole bit how he's like never out. He's got perfect attendance records. So, like, what are the instances where he's not there? Well, like, is I it mean, sick or sales calls? Or, sales calls. Right? I mean, yeah, I would think that they, they're gone quite a bit. Like, just, why wasn't he there at the time? Because mm-hmm. Michael hadn't left yet. And, again, it's, it's little. And they don't reference Dwight's peccable, impeccable attendance record yet. So maybe it wasn't the thing that mattered. Uh, but worth noting, mm. just, you know, let those office creators know. I'm, I'm on to them. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, may, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was a condo being sold by a company, I'm guessing. But, like, if you've never bought a house, the, the you know, signing those papers and stuff, that's not how closing works at all. Right, right, right. At all. I mean, it took – when we bought it because we bought our first house a couple of months ago, and I signed my name for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, there's, there's, like you're there for a long time just signing and signing and signing and signing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not so, like uh, Michael seeming to just do one signature and he's done. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yes, there, there are certain, but there are other things where after you get to a certain process, if you certain part of the process, if you do walk away, you are losing money. Right. Yeah. That's just how it is. I, I don't know why it was 7,000, but that seemed kind of high. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's another instance where we kind of are shown that Michael isn't like this rich, well-off manager like he pretends to be. Like in Hot Girl, he says that he's probably the closest in the office to being a millionaire. Right. But we don't know by how much. I mean, maybe just because he makes a little bit more than everybody else, he's the closest. Um, yeah, and it's something you come see l- – kind of see later i think in next season that they really kind of screw michael over and how much he gets paid yeah yeah and and then it's like really while he's on the show it's kind of always like a thing that's brought up Mm. is that like he's never really super well off ever and it seems like it's really just because of his own buying habits yeah like he's a little frivolous with buying some stuff and uh and then eventually jan comes on and some of that, uh, some of those issues are kind of put on her, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So again, it's just another reminder that um, he's not so great with his money. Right. Uh, here's another small kind of just weird thing. According to, if you watch the clock in Michael's car from when mm-hmm. they're going to the condo and coming back from the condo, only nine minutes have passed. According to his clock, <laughs> I, I know it's because they right. probably just shot those two scenes back to back. Yeah, but still, it's just one of those funny things. Like if you if the, you see the time passing, but when they go back to the office, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon or something. Right, right. Because when they leave to go to the uh, condo, it's eleven eleven, and when they get back in the car, it's like eleven twenty. <laughs> Uh, well, because then they switch. I mean, Michael, I think, he, Michael seems to be the only guy who drives who gets that backseat camera angle um, because everybody else, and then obviously him too at some point, get that like mounted camera like in front looking camera, through the windshield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But there's a couple of instances where Michael's driving and like him and Dwight are like have these interesting interesting interactions. Um, in season four, where Michael drives into the lake, during that whole bit, there's a camera guy in the back seat, you know, and like right. he has to like get out of the car before he gets flooded in too. <laughs> um, but I feel like when other people drive, which doesn't happen too often, but they don't get that fancy camera angle either. Um, I will say, at the end of this episode. Um, when they're giving out the big awards for the Office Olympics, Michael is first uh, for closing his condo, they say. Mm -hmm. Dwight is second, and I don't think they gave a reason, but he just was. Right. And then Jim is third. I was like, why is Jim third? He didn't participate in anything. <laughs> but it's I think it was just a way to like cheer people up and like make Michael forget that they were really goofing off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, something else I, I kind of jotted down and was thinking about is, Green, we don't know how much the house costs and everything, but seeing that Michael d is kind of bad with his cash and with the current, at the time anyway, from when this was supposed to be happening, there's a good chance that like Michael's only walking away with like 1% equity in his condo when he signs those papers. Sure. Yeah, because this was back before the... The housing crisis and all that stuff. So everything kind of changed. Uh, so I don't know. Speaking of the housing crisis and speaking of Steve Carell, if you haven't seen The Big Short, you should. Uh, it's on my list. It's very good. It's on Netflix now. Oh, really good. Yeah. Good yeah. to know. I'll, I have next weekend planned. There you go. <laughs> um, anyways, back to the office. Yeah, then you see, like, again, just how unrealistic in, in his own world and how much Michael wants things to be like movies. Mm. Cause he's talking about like how he's the hottest person in the development and right. we're all the hotties. It's just like, like he wants things to be so perfect and they just don't end up right. that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and really he never really gets out of that mentality. Not I mean, really. He, no. Yeah. Cause even when he ends up with Holly, Holly like kind of lets him live that life. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. He grows in like a multi multiple other ways. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he definitely still continues to see the world kind of warped and skewed. Um, so anything else? Uh, no, I think I'm good for this episode. So what do you got for uh, your ratings for this one? Uh, this is a good episode. Um, I'll give it three out of five gay-friendly uh, condos. Okay, okay. Uh, I gave it um, 2.5 out of 5 yogurt lids. Oh, wow. It's low. Yeah, it's it's fine. It doesn't progress like the plot as a whole. It's just it's kind of there. There's some good bits or whatever like that. But mm -hmm. um, the ending kind of just uh, kind of coasts, you know. Michael walks in and everybody stops playing the game and then Jim gets third place. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Uh, our last episode of this episode is The Fire, um, in which the office gets uh, a fire alarm going, but it's not a drill. Everybody is forced to evacuate, and uh, the rest of the episode takes place outside in the parking lot. Uh, written by B.J. Novak, directed by Ken Quapis, as we said. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like this one. It's a good one to me. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good episode. Uh, early on, because we see the reemergence of Katie, the mm -hmm. hot girl from the hot girl episode, uh, Amy Adams, 
And she calls, she calls Dunder Mifflin and gets Pam. And Pam has to transfer her to Jim. And you can tell she's really upset about it. Like, she does not like Katie. She can kind of tell that, um, uh, that Pam has a thing for Jim. And right, so right. it's just more of that sort of subtly. And she, you just tell it in her eyes. That she's like, she's like, yeah, you could just give her your extension. I'm just like, <laughs> Come on, Pam. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting too, because the, Cold opens thus far haven't really uh, differed too much from the content of the episode. Mm. They were just like little one-offs or they kind of expound on the concept of the rest of it. Like later on, like when we go into like the gym pranks. Right. Um, it's like really its own thing. But so far, these are just like, here's the episode before the episode, you know. Um, yeah, so then there's another instance here where Michael is weird toward Ryan. And I'm kind of skipping around a bit, but like one of the last games that they play outside is uh, "Who Would You Do?" Who would you do? Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael's <laughs> Mike. And the the weird thing about it too, right? Because Jim makes a gay joke during this bit about wanting to do Kevin, right? Uh, but he explains it in a funny way, and everybody gets it. Michael says, "I would have sex with Ryan," right? Which is like less innocent, you know? Well, yeah, it's yeah. much more direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and my and Ryan felt. You know, again, we'll we'll get into it, but Ryan feels super uncomfortable around Michael for most of this episode, so this is like icing on the awkward cake for Ryan. Um, I also have in my notes here, in terms of characters who grow and characters who go missing, uh, who the hell is Marjorie? Because uh, (laughs) when they're trying to look for numbers, Dwight offers Marjorie's number, whoever this hoe is, (laughs) and... uh, yeah, and they talk about it, but I don't know who the hell Marjorie is. Nobody we've ever seen, so more, not even retconning, I guess, but just that's a person who worked there and she doesn't work there later on. Right, and you see a lot of that, I would say probably by the middle of this season, they get like all the people ironed out, mm-hmm. but you know, he, uh, there's definitely a lot of people in the background that you just never see again, right? Like, ever again. Um, I also have here Michael's like greatest, bravest moment where that fire alarm goes off and he almost pushes over Jim and Oscar to get the hell out right. of <laughs> Yeah, you can tell. He, 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 he kind of runs it off. He's like, look, you know, we're supposed to be equal. So if I let them out first, I'm getting sued or <laughs> right. in trouble. It's like, yeah, just keep, um, uh, just keep doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also have here in terms of fireable offenses – uh, that the warehouse probably would have been fired because they're like drinking beer and chucking glass bottles in the back and like no one's <laughs> monitoring them at all. Uh, yeah, so that that doesn't really uh, work well for Daryl's reputation as being a great warehouse. No, one. and it's something you see like just how much weight Daryl gains through the, through mm-hmm. the series. You know, same with Stanley. Like Stanley was a bigger guy, but he wasn't the whale that he became. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder for in terms of like off screen behind the scenes stuff because the dude who plays Daryl uh, Craig Daniel Craig Daniel mm-hmm. right he um, he got, like, got caught with meth like somewhere in the middle of the show's run oh really yeah so I wonder like if uh, if he was like doing it and like kicking the habit or whatever he like gained some weight it's yeah it's hard on the immune it's hard on the uh, metabolism yeah um. But that that's serious stuff. We're keeping it light here. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'll, I'll get away from meth. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah, because well, you also get the sense that 
because we kind of talked about last episode and the fact that we do have some listener email about, but like Michael does have a signed baseball of some type on his, like in his office. And I was like, I wonder what, who, who does Michael have a baseball signed of, you know, cause he never talks about sports really besides him, like saying go pirates mm-hmm. or talking about taking people to like the Wilkes, Scranton, Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins or right. whatever. Um, he does talk about, uh, he has like a basketball uh, analogy he puts here when he finds out that Ryan is going to business school where he talks about how, trying to make himself feel better. He says that like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, etc. went from high school to the NBA. Right. And that is a parallel to his own rise to power without having to go to college. But like really quickly, he kind of reneges on it and he has this like really rare self-aware moment. He's like, well, that's not the same at all. <laughs> and he spends the rest of the episode being super depressed because Brian is this smart guy who's going to, you know, Michael doesn't know it yet, but who's going to be his boss moving forward at some point. Yeah, relatively soon too. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you know, this is, I think, before Ryan just really understands that Michael basically is just talking out of his ass most times. Yeah. Because he's like, yeah, I want to know the 10 secrets to business. <laughs> Michael's yeah. making up all this random crap to him. Yeah. yeah, he says one. He's like, all right, come back later for the rest because he's got to take time out of his day to figure out what the hell they are. You're like, image is everything. So you have, like, the Sebring and... Mm-hmm. Um, which is almost like a character in this show, really. It well. is. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the, uh, the coup, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he gets really pissed off at Dwight when he doesn't like the Sebring. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, what, next season? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's season three. Yeah, maybe I think so, too. No, it can't be four. It's got to be It's got to be season three. Yeah, because it happens... Um yeah, it's before all the Connecticut people join up, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and that's also before... And Jane's still in charge and at Dunder Mifflin, so it has to be at some point. You know, it has to be in there at some point. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, this is a, another fun episode because you do get to see people uh, sort of outside the office, technically, literally outside the office here. Um, but they, uh, you know, so they, they start playing their de- like desert Island games, like, you know, desert Island movies. And, you know, you, some people are, have terrible movies like legends of the fall and legally blonde for Meredith who mm-hmm. also, it's also Katie, you know, is a big fan of legally blonde, which it's actually a better movie than most people give it credit for. We, we watched it recently. It's actually pretty funny. Well, th- you know, because we actually talked about Legally Blonde last episode that we did, and I said I couldn't talk shit about it because my girlfriend loves that movie. Right. And here you are saying it, and you like it a little bit more, and that makes my job easier <laughs> as being a boyfriend who doesn't poop on Legally Blonde. We're, we're okay. We're doing great. <laughs> um, Wait, no, 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 no. Never mind. I was no. not – I wrong <laughs> – Blonde movie. Oh, I was no. thinking. I was thinking. Um, Clueless. Clueless. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Well, she likes Clueless too. So Clueless okay. is a pretty good movie. I've yeah. never seen Legally Blonde. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah. And so far, like um, Angela really hasn't become like. I mean, yeah, you're starting to see that she's more of a bitch, but she isn't like 
crazy weird kind of too, you know, because right. eventually she becomes like the creepy baby poster lady. Yeah, because you know? like yeah, because like right now, they, there's like sprinkles of like her overt Christianity. Right. Um, but like after Gay Witch Hunt in season three, like she's really much more of like a type A stickler, mm-hmm. conservative, and less like a religious zealot, you know? Right. Um, but like, so here, one her book is like the Bible, and then like they have to prod her to list a second book, uh, which is a life. life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we do see more of her again. Uh, this is where. Phyllis is dancing very seductively in the background uh, in Jim's direction. Um, an interesting thing that comes out during Who Would You Do mm. is um, when Jim says that you can include people who are present, Oscar is one of the people who says Pam. Right. And so it's one of those things where, like, did we always know he was going to be gay and this is like his beard thing because obviously Pam is the pretty one in the office or was he not gay story-wise yet? Like the author, uh, the writers hadn't decided that for him. So Oscar would have genuinely banged Pam. Right, right. Uh, you know, there, yeah, I actually have that written down as like, hmm, is Oscar... is. Is Oscar being gay a retcon? Maybe we'll see. Maybe as we're watching these, we'll see something in season two that will help us pick up the clues mm-hmm. that he isn't. Yet. Well, actually, I think it's in this season where we figure out he is gay. That's right, because uh, it's like he calls out sick and Dwight tails him, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's sooner than later, I think. I'm trying to look. Not entirely sure where that is. I think it's gonna be. It might be. Oh, um, I wonder if it's email surveillance. No, that's not. No, that's email surveillance is where they go to uh, Jim's party. Right. Then maybe it's the carpet. I could see it being that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so. So what do you what do you think of the Desert Island movies? So I have um, so Pam has Fargo, Edward Scissorhands, Dazed and Confused, Princess Bride, and she's about to say her favorite when she gets interrupted. So we never actually figure out her number one movie. Right. Um. So what do I think about her movies? There, yeah. I mean. Yeah, they're pretty good. I wonder how many of them are like informed by what she's afraid Jim would think of them. Um, but uh, my girlfriend doesn't like The Breakfast Club. I like it. I'm a fan. Princess Bride, great. Fargo, probably my favorite one on that list. Edward Scissorhands is so, so to me. But uh, yeah, she did a... And I wonder, too, if it speaks to her age, you know? Like, You're right. Uh, yeah, like when she was like really susceptible to watching all these movies and it mm-hmm. kind of does yeah I, w- I would agree with you that it probably pegs her close to being like around like the early to mid 20s uh in this show mm-hmm. you know and re-watching the show and like really scrutinizing about stuff like makes me realize how many of the shows that i like have characters that were the age i was when i started watching them like always sunny those people were all like 26 when they started that show mm-hmm. uh, and it made me like reflect that what was i doing when i was 26 and I was not creating a very popular TV show. 
<laughs> and it makes and me feel bad. What's interesting is Rain Wilson, he plays Dwight as a much younger person than he actually is. Because mm. he just turned 50, so that means he was like upper 30s when he started making The Office. And right. Dwight's obviously portrayed as, you know, 20 or... I mean, I could see him being like 24, 23, 24. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be older than Jim, at least. Um, because the way he presents, like, they don't really see each other as peers. Right. So I think he treats him more of like a, a youthful annoyance. But yeah, he's definitely not like too old. Like, maybe tw- like late 20s, I'd give, probably. I mean, the show goes on for so damn long, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you did you do Desert Island movies? Uh, I could pull something off off the top of my head. Yeah, I did. I did write them down, but I wrote them stream of conscious because I wanted it to be reminiscent of, uh, you know, being asked in the middle of a parking lot while my building's on fire. Okay, how about you do Desert Island uh, albums? Okay, so we get okay, okay. S- straight off the top. Okay, so let me do that. Desert Island albums. Well, I'm going to say Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182. Good one. Okay. Uh, I have to do five? Let's do three. Let's do three. Let's save some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, boy, this is just going to, I'm going to say Warning by Green Day. (laughs) I'm obviously following a trend here, so I'm going to try to throw a curveball for my third one. Oh no! The only thing that's coming to mind is a terrible CD, Cho- <laughs> Chocolate Starfish. And the ch- is that right? Uh, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by Limp Bizkit. <laughs> <laughs> that's so terrible. My time on the island is going to be the worst, <laughs> and everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh, no. Desert Island albums for me would be um, England Keep My Bones by Frank Turner. Uh, the 59 Sound by Gaslight Anthem and oh, Horoscope by Eve Six. Okay. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. I, I, your island sounds a little bit nicer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish, I don't know why, you know what it was? Because I, I took that trip to Pennsylvania and driving home for whatever reason, I was like, we're driving. Let's listen to Roland by Limp Biscuit. And that's like the only <laughs> album that's in my head right now. <laughs> Terrible. It would be like, yeah, there's a there's a lot of albums that are right there in that three spot for me. I, I can, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, be, it could change like any day, right? Right. It, it would yeah. be hard for me not to take an MXPX album just because I love those guys. Mm-hmm. I have forever. Um, and so we haven't really touched on too much, but we have the whole sort of side stuff with Ryan and Michael, and how that gets really uncomfortable. And then Dwight getting really pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like starts playing like uh, "Everybody Hurts" by REM, like super right. loud, and and pan, or Jim's like trying not to crack up. He's like, you know what you should do? You should quit. Show them both. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But he's like, yeah, he, he can't keep it together. Um, I also wrote. Well, so let's go back. Yeah, because of Dwight. I mean, Dwight's. This episode does a pretty good job of like really still furthering the the relationship that Michael and Dwight have together mm-hmm. of like this like mentor, mentee, friend, whatever, and how Ryan like is really in between. And then Dwight has like this weird little brother con 
plex right where like he tries to like give him noogies and stuff he's all like you know he tries to be one of the guys but like he's like super socially inept and like does not pull it off which is right. weird because well, michael is equally seems socially inept. like sort of um a dominance kind of move for dwight like him trying to show like oh you know what i know your daddy's favorite but i'm still the big brother right. you know that That's kind important. of idea yeah um and it even goes so far too that Dwight's still trying to stick up for Michael, even though Michael's given up on like his business savvy. Right. Like, admitting to Ryan that Ryan probably knows more about business than he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's revealed who started the fire. Right. And so the question is, and maybe there's something in the background that I missed, but how did Dwight know it was Ryan's PETA? We do see Ryan around the toaster, but it's a good point as to how anybody would know who specifically put it in there. Um, just spitballing, I'd have to guess that maybe that's something that Ryan had been eating for the week or something like that. Right. Like, you know, he had a bunch of frozen ones. Um, so it just made sense to him. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not super clear. My because my my brother was watching it with me the other day too, and he's all like, "What does he think he's gonna learn up there? Like he's like some type of like fire deputy cop." Um, well, he is. He is, but he a, is a, a yeah sheriff volunteer sheriff deputy. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't quite know, but Ryan fesses up like real quick. Like, he, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was also pretty funny about it is you see Dwight able to um, spoof songs a lot better than Michael does. Yeah. He makes up the song about, you know, Ryan start, starting the fire. Yeah, I think Dwight definitely has, like, this, like, pretty heavy rock and roll background, personally, because, like, mm. there's that one bit, too, where um, him and Jim go on a sales call, and Dwight sits in the back seat, like, rocking out, like, to get himself pumped up. Right. And, and he does that during performance review, too. Like, it's kind of his M.O. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he definitely has this history of, like, classic rock things going on for him in a way that Michael seems to like kind of go more with like whatever's popular at whatever given time. Right. And you know, uh, you're at the beginning of this episode, Ryan's like, I don't want to be a guy here. Yep. And then he becomes a fire guy, which gets referenced again. I get, I think it's the first episode of season five. Kevin's like, Hey, look, it's the fired guy. Oh yeah. 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 Well, it, it gets referenced in season four when he comes back after becoming um, a boss, where Kevin comes up and says, fire guy, and then Andy tries to say it too, but Kevin's like, you weren't here for that. Right, but it couldn't have been, it, had, it would have had to have been in season five, because five. Goodbye Toby is, a, is the season finale of season four, and that's when um, he gets arrested, right? Well, I'm season... Sure. Season four is when they get together, and that's all the Dunder Mifflinity. Right. Dunder Mifflin Infinity. So he's the boss for two seasons? Mm, no, just one. Just, just one. one. So that's just season four, I think. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's the first episode of season five that he comes back. Oh, being the fired guy. I get you. Right, okay. fired I'm, guy. I'm, I'm with you. Yep, you're right. You're right. You're right. Wait, wait, hey, okay. Hey, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, he does say something um Dunder Mifflin Infinity. Right, but yeah, Kevin does call him Fire Guy a couple of times. Yeah. (laughs) Kevin's like the only one who remembers that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I also wrote one one little oddity 
so Katie shows up at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. She's referenced. She shows up. Uh, her and Jim are going to go out to lunch. Katie parks right behind the damn fire truck. Yeah. <laughs> she just pulls up and then she starts playing Desert Island things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess she's so attractive that none of the firefighters care. But it just seems like a big safety hazard, Katie. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I really wish I could read my handwriting because I do have a something that's like Katie equals something, but she's also pretty. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, literally cannot read what I wrote. Uh, well, she she brings up. Um, oh, it's basically blonde, yeah. okay. So she does bring up Legally Blonde, and Pam laughs at her, and pa- Pam kind of realizes that. I think in that moment, Pam realizes that Jim won't be with Katie, Katie forever. And so Katie is essentially Meredith, but hot and not a whore. I see. That, that's, that's okay. That, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically who she is. And so that, that's who they portray her as is the same level of intelligence as Meredith, just hot. And they have this little bit where... Jim and Katie have a cute little thing about going to lunch and who's going to drive and they have a little smooch and Pam gets jealous and before and then Jim walks around the car and when he looks back Pam has composed herself and pulls Roy in for a kiss making him feel jealous. Mm-hmm. So they're they're playing this, you know, little mind game that youthful people play. Um, <laughs> if yeah. you're listening to this love isn't this hard guys yeah. don't, don't be that way. Just tell the people how you feel and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't. Trust me. Trust me on this one. You'll save a whole lot of sleep if you just be straight with people. Uh, that is this week's love notes from Love Dr. Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was something else I was going to say about this whole thing too, but I forget. But it's a good ep- it's a good episode. I, it I is like a good it. episode. Yeah. It's funny. Um, oh, Meredith. That's what I was going to say because you brought Meredith. Uh, this also pushes the whole slutty Meredith thing because, um, you know, Jim chickens out, doesn't say Pam when it's his turn to say who he do. He says right. Kevin. Um, and then when everybody's busy, the girls are talking about who they would do. Um, and a lot of them say Jim right off the bat, waiting for Pam to kind of agree. And then she starts naming other people in the office. Toby. Right, and every single person that Pam names, Meredith sitting there with a big old smile on her face because she would anybody with a penis she'd bang. Right. Uh, damn it! I just had something and lost it. Uh, so I don't remember. It was. was that oh, oh! This uh, also when they're playing, who would you do? Because Roy shows up. Mm, oh. And yep. you you start to see just his tone deafness and just how little he cares about what he says around Pam, mm-hmm. you know, cause, because we, we saw it in you know, the Dundies when she's watching the old ones and he's like, you know, he accepts the award for longest engagement. It's like, we'll be back next year. Right. And in this episode, he's all like, who's that tight ass Christian chick? Because yep. you know, Pam's waiting for her to say, for him to say her. Right. And he's like, yeah, so he kind of starts hitting on Angela in front of Pam. It's like, dude, don't be a douche. But you kind of see just how big of a douchebag he is. Well, that's interesting, too, because later on, Angela kind of develops like this just like kind of physical crush on Roy. Um, you know, where she says things uh, like when they find out that their branch is closing. And, you know, at this point, Roy and um, Pam have broken up. 
But Roy goes up there and he finds out, and Angela's the one revealing this information. But she's like, don't worry, Roy. You'll be okay. You're very – and she kind of gives him a look over, and she's like, strong. But, like, she is physically attracted to Roy and would bang him. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think, I'll have I to be watching yeah. for that one because I don't I, – I've never caught that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I will say, too, and I, I keep trying to prod my girlfriend into agreeing with me because so this is the first time she's watched it. So I think she's middle of season four now or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on, I asked her, like, is she into Angela? Because as the show goes on, I kind of get into her. She's kind of this pretty little blonde lady you could put in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But she starts off so mean early on and like kind of like, you know, as the show gets more money, everybody looks prettier, right? Right. I'd even give Meredith a massage at some point. <laughs> but, uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, but then, uh, so Angela gets all cute or whatever, but uh, my girlfriend does not see it. And maybe it's just too hard to get around her rough exterior to uh, right. find and Angela like, adorable. Yeah. I, I've seen some pictures of the actress. Mm-hmm. She's jacked. Like, yeah. six-pack. Like, yeah. yeah, You don't see it because she wears, you know, the really conservative, right. not unshowy clothing. But, like, she is jacked as a person and that's what mm. you start to see with these shows so they start making you know, especially for a show like this th- no one was really established yet so they were all broke so now they can have like trainers and go to the gym and right they start making some money yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i mean because then there's this one episode later on oh it's like uh there it's another halloween episode where they have a halloween contest and whoever wins is going to get something right um, it's then, the uh, coupon book yeah yeah and then angela changes into like a slutty nurse outfit right um, and she's like falling out the top. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Wow. She's got some. She's got a rack on her. She's got stuff going on. All so right, J Ray. Who would you do? <laughs> uh, it's gonna be Pam. Pam all the way. Pam, Pam is just a delight. Yeah. I mean, unless unless it's the real world, then I have to see my girlfriend because she listens. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's kind of. I mean, if you want to talk office regulars, definitely Pam. If not, then Katie. Right. I don't know. I might pick Pam over Katie. You know, uh, Amy Adams is a little too small for me. I'm a tall guy. I'm six. I'm six three. You know. You seem like a tall guy though. I'm six foot. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I, I don't know. There's just but something. My, my wife's gotta, five two, so I'm used okay. to. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I already slouch as it is. You know. So I don't want to be hanging out with someone who's gonna make me like walking around like Igor. You know. <laughs> is she a short? Is, is Amy Adams a short person? I think so. But again, you know, everybody looks so tiny on TV. Let's see. It's true. Amy Adams. The thing is, most of those people are, sh- like, most people in Hollywood are short. Yeah, because that's just how, oh, she's 5'4". She's taller than your wife. Not bad. Yeah. She seems like a midgy magoo to me. <laughs> she, I think it's just because she's a little. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what are you going to rate this episode? Well, so, as I was uh, reviewing all this stuff, I felt like I've been throwing around my fours too often. So, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to be a little bit more... Because we like the show. That's the point. That's why we want to do the damn podcast. Because we like all these episodes, generally speaking, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, even though I like this episode a lot, I give it a three out of four business school books. <laughs> um, I really like this episode. It's one of my favorite. Um, it's one of those, since it is, you don't have to know a ton about the characters to enjoy mm-hmm. it. So, it's, a, it's one of those episodes that would be like, look, you should really watch this episode. Right. You know, see if you like the show. So I'll give it 4.5 out of 5 Jealous Pameras. All right. All right. I like it. (laughs) 
So we did get some listener email. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you wanna? Read? Yeah, I could. Uh, you wanna? You wanna read it real quick? Yeah, we could read yeah. it or just talk about it. So we got an email from a dude named Alex, who's actually from Scranton, PA, which is mm-hmm. cool. So uh, and he had some some uh, insight into what it's like living in that area. Yep. Um, so he says, "Quote: I noticed that one of you thought it was strange that Michael was a pirate was fan. Yep. <laughs> uh, someone who works in Electric City." Scranton, and lives in Wilkes Bar, Bear, Wilkes Barre, I think. Wilkes Barre, about twenty minutes away, not from Pennsylvania. Um, I can confidently say that there is nothing strange at all about that. Scranton doesn't necessarily identify strongly with Philadelphia, perhaps because New York is almost as close. The minor league baseball team in Scranton is a Yankees affiliate, and the very popular minor league hockey team is a Penguins affiliate. I would say that Scranton area is pretty evenly divided between fans of Philadelphia, New York, and Pittsburgh teams. Most people are probably Phillies or Yankees fans, but Mets and Pirates fans are not uncommon. So Michael could definitely be a Buccos fan and not stand out at all. Again, keep up the good work. Great podcast. Thanks, Alex. So, Alex, thanks for sending that in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely. Um, One thing reminds me, if you want to get a little, like, feel for screen a little bit, uh, and if you have Hulu, uh, there's a Hulu original called Behind the Mask, Mm. and it's about uh, mascots. And one of the mascots they follow for the season is the Scranton Wilkesbury Penguin. Okay, it's a really good show. Highly recommend it. But you also can like, oh, because they talk about this in the office, so it's kind of a yeah. cool like tie-in. Um, I mean, and that's that's great. To I mean, they I think the makers of the office really did a good job trying to figure out the Scranton this. You know, mm-hmm. like it's such a small town that I really doubt most people, even people who are privy with Pennsylvania as a state, uh, were aware of Scranton in this way. And I think they did a lot. Like I think a lot of the, like the mom and pop places they list, like Poor Richards and um, Coopers and all that stuff, I mm-hmm. think are real places in Scranton. Um, yeah, that'd be so, cool. Yeah, nice. so I think they did their research. And Steamtown Mall is a real place. My mom's been there. Um, hmm. I think it might be smaller than the show depicts, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, so they, they did their homework. And uh, Alex, thanks for sending in that email to confirm that uh, Michael can like the Pirates if he wants to. Right. Well, I mean, obviously he can like him if he wants to. I just, no. me not knowing the area, it just seemed odd. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, and this area is real complicated. I mean, I'm sure there are other places in the country, but like this whole uh, New England, New York, New Jersey area like we've got a lot of like teams that do this thing where they kind of encroach on other people's um areas mm. so uh, oh yeah yeah so I, I can see how that would add more confusion to some of the eastern philadelphia or pennsylvania rather team based fandom stuff yeah so uh thanks for coming out to the podcast um again you can find us at brokenjars.xyz where i'll be on youtube Broken Jars Broadcasting at gmail.com. Um, this, the information for the episodes and the contest and everything else, if you want to do a super cut for our intro, will all be in the show notes. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, we'll uh, see you again next time. Bye.